Good morning, church. Great to see you all this morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. I'm going to go ahead now and dismiss our kids for Revolution Kids. Hi. All right, so as I said, this is our last week in our series where we've been talking about good news of great joy, the joy that comes to us at Christmas and ways that we can be rooted in that joy now. We've talked about finding joy in relationship finding joy in the unexpected, and last week we talked about finding joy in glorifying God, kind of as response to these mighty acts of salvation, these mighty acts of God that we see and experience. We can find joy in how we respond and respond together in praise and thanksgiving. In our scripture passage this morning, as I read it, it's a short one this week, but as I read it, I want you to take note of the role that the community plays the neighbors and the relatives, in the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. So we've been, we're still in Luke 1, newsflash, we're still in Luke 1, and we've been following this story. We shift now back to Elizabeth and Zechariah. After we studied the Magnificat, Mary's song last week, and the last verse says, and Mary remained, remained there with her, with Elizabeth, about three months, and then returned home. That's verse 56. So we're picking up this morning with verses 57 through 66. And I want you to take note in these short verses of the role that the community plays, the neighbors and the relatives. Hear now the word. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came over all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all of the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. All right, so finally, here it is. You, you remember the angel announced that this child would be born, that Elizabeth would give birth, and Zechariah couldn't believe it. And so he was mute for the rest of this pregnancy. He couldn't speak. But finally, this is the birth of the one that Elizabeth had longed for, uh, in the one that said, and, and God has shown mercy to me for taking away my scorn among the people, right? And now it's these people who join and praising God for the birth of this child. And that's to fulfill the scripture that we, we read week one, verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. All right, so we sort of see that gathering now to fulfill that scripture, that many are now rejoicing at the birth of this child. But what's really incredible is that it's not just, yes, rejoicing with Elizabeth and Zechariah at this birth, but also it's a moment when they praise God because they say, for he has shown, the Lord has shown mercy to her. And that's what they're witnessing and that's what they're proclaiming. The, the joy kind of shifts from not just celebrating with Elizabeth and Zechariah, but praising God, for he has shown mercy. 
Now, remember also week one, we learned that Rebecca and Zechariah were blameless before the Lord. They walked blameless in all the commandments and statues of the Lord, which means they were, I mean, Zechariah is a priest, right? So they're law abiding. They're very faithful to the covenant, which means on the eighth day, they would go to the temple and present their child and name their child and have him circumcised. This was an act of covenant faithfulness. But what we see here is that it's also a very communal act. The relatives and the family, they gather. Maybe like you see, you know, we would gather as a, as a child is, is baptized and dedicated to the Lord and baptized into the family of faith. This is a similar, um, it's different, of course, but it's a similar practice that we see this community doing to show up and bear witness to the circumcision of this child. The community played an important role in that. We also know that it would have been the, the father's responsibility or prerogative to name his son to name the child. But Zechariah can't speak. So it's Elizabeth who says, we're going to call him John. And did you notice what, what did the relatives and the neighbors do? What did the family do? They questioned. They, they asked him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. But they questioned. They said, what? You don't have anyone in your family named John. They, they expected, they assumed that his name would be Zechariah after his father. So they question, they wonder. And this isn't because they're trying to be difficult here, right? They're not trying to be like filled with opinions and complaints or they just, this is breaking with custom. It's not what they expected. Are you sure? You know, they remember they hadn't received a visit from the angel like Zechariah had. Right? They're not trying to be difficult here. They just didn't know. They just hadn't personally had that glory moment themselves. Each time Matt and I have tried to come up with names for our two children when I've been pregnant, we've kept the names a secret. Part of it is because we could never agree on a name that we both liked. Another part is that I really like to just be able to like see the kid and meet him and hold him and then like, okay, now I know he looks like, you know, whatever. That's what I, that's, I wanted that moment, but a really big part of it, are you ready? A really big part, I just didn't want to hear what other people thought about the name. <laughs> I just kept it a secret because I didn't, I didn't want to know if they liked it or not. Because <laughs> then afterwards, it'd just be like, here he is, his name is Logan, and they wouldn't say anything. They didn't say anything, right? I had too many friends who shared the names of what their kids would be called, and people responded with, what, really? Ew. <laughs> Do you know what his initials will be? Did you know that my great aunt had this name, this middle name? And that's kind of weird. Are you, are you sure? I just wanted to avoid that moment altogether. Kind of what Elizabeth's experiencing right here. I wanted to avoid this moment altogether. But hear me, what the family and relatives, what they're experiencing right here it's not trying to be difficult, like I had perceived that maybe my community would have been difficult with opinions. No, they just hadn't received the same news. So it's a break with custom. They're saying, are you sure? I, want, I wonder if Elizabeth felt that tension, though, right? This tension between what God had asked of them and what the people were expecting. 
wonder if she felt that. I, I imagine she did. You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth knew that they, they'd had this, you know, visit from the angel. You're going to name your son John, and this is what he's going to do. But then they've got to face the music, so to speak, with the community now and say, hey, this is what God has said. I wonder if they felt that tension, maybe a little bit of fear and trepidation. And it's Elizabeth, before her husband is able to speak, who says, no, his name will be John. And they both kind of show courage in this moment to stay true to what God has asked of them, even in the face of questioning, even in the face of breaking with expectation and custom. I wonder if you've ever felt that tension. It's a word of hope for me that they show such courage. And they show such faithfulness kind of in this moment. So you're, are you tracking with me so far the journey, the journey that the neighbors and relatives have gone on at this point? <laughs> They've started with rejoicing, right? Rejoicing at the, the birth of John. And then they move to kind of questioning. Again, not in a difficult way, just in an uninformed way. Are you sure about this? Breaking with tradition. Even with well-meaning people in our lives sometimes, when we say, this is what the, what the Lord has, has asked of me, this is what God has, has called me to do, sometimes it's still met with questioning. Not always in a, a mean-spirited way, but in a break with expectation. So they've, they've started with rejoicing, they've moved to questioning, and then they wondered. <laughs> they wondered after they hear, uh, after they see Zechariah, you know, write on this tablet, his name will be John, they, they wondered. Ah, kind of that room and space for wonder and awe. But then in verse 64 and 65, it says, and immediately, so after this, after they wondered, Zechariah speaks, and immediately his mouth was opened, opened, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And the next sort of spot or stop that they take along this journey is that it says their neighbors and fear came on all their neighbors. They've gone from rejoicing to questioning to wonder and now fear. Fear. You know, fear is a characteristic response that we see in the book of Luke Acts, which we understand was sort of written by the same author, kind of a chapter one and chapter two. Fear is a characteristic response here to a reaction to, to a miraculous or mighty act of God. We see this time and time again throughout the gospel and throughout Luke Acts. After Zechariah, after the angel appeared to Zechariah, it says he was troubled and filled with fear. In chapter 5, later in Luke, uh, people will be in awe and filled with fear after they witness Jesus heal a paralyzed man. In the book of Acts, chapter 19, uh, Paul is going to heal somebody, and it says fear fell upon all of the people. So it's kind of a characteristic response to observing a mighty act of God, a mighty act of salvation in Jesus Christ, and fear fell upon them. After the fear proclaimed, after the fear fell upon him, it's his characteristic response. Fear and wonder and awe. But did you notice too, it says they talked about these things. 
I wonder what all that meant. I think they were filled with hope. They were filled with expectation. They see that Zechariah has been healed and that he speaks and that things that have been said about this child may be true. And so this sense of fear and, and glorifying and awe, it falls over them. They talk about these things and then they move to this place of hope and anticipation and expectation of what this child will become. I think I had it here. These things were talked about throughout the hill country, and all of, all of who heard them laid them on their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? That sense of hope and, and expectation for the hand of the Lord was with him. So they went from glorifying, or you know, glorifying at the birth of John, and then questioning, and then wonder, and then fear fell upon them, all the way to proclaiming this truth with Zechariah and Elizabeth, the hand of the Lord was with him. I find that journey amazing because this, my friends, is what community does for us. This is what community, they, they travel sort of that full spectrum of emotions with us to the point of then being able to share together in joy. And proclaiming a truth, right? Proclaiming the truth, the hand of the Lord was with him. That sense of hope and expectation. This is what it means when we say weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice even when we don't understand fully or even when we haven't experienced it ourselves personally. We can rejoice together because of the way that God has been at work in the community collectively. I think the role that the neighbors and relatives play here for Zechariah, they, they play that similar role of traveling that full journey together to then at the end being able to share in the joy of Zechariah and Elizabeth and proclaiming these truths. But in order to celebrate, we, we've got to be able to, to share it and, and say it and share about the ways that God's been at work in our lives and then it's the community together that can help us feel that sense of joy among our neighbors and our relatives and our friends. And I pray this church community here to celebrate the joy of something good and powerful and holy that has happened in your lives. But friends, we can't share that as a community. We can't feel that as a community unless we share about it. Unless we leave room for space and wonder in our lives and our small groups and worship to say, where have you seen God at work recently? The next section of verses right after this that I read is then the song of Zechariah. The song of Zechariah. So you saw the Magnificat, the song of Mary. And now this one is the song of Zechariah, known as the Benedictus which Daryl uh, said, I, you know, we just make things up. I didn't, he, he told me, I'm, he, it sounds like something I made up. I actually didn't. That comes from the Latin word of the first line, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Now this is verses 67 through 80. We haven't read this yet. We haven't read this yet. This is the last, and then we'll be done with Luke chapter 1, I promise. <laughs> This is the last part where now this is Zechariah's turn to respond with joy and praise and thanksgiving and adoration to God. And what I find so amazing is that this Benedictus, this, this song of Zechariah, has become part of communal worship for so many different people. 
It's kind of this blessing, and it locates the work of John the Baptist in reference to kind of God's whole promise to Israel and the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's really powerful, but it's a hymn of praise that has its roots even within uh, traditional Jewish psalms. Uh, and it, so, and, and a lot of times it's credited to Jewish Christians that somehow this became sort of a song of response and a song of worship among Jewish believers. And so it's used still today in worship as kind of a song of response. I first became aware of it when I was going to, uh, when I was in seminary and I would attend morning prayer. It's in the Book of Common Prayer by the Episcopal Church, and it's known as the Canticle of Zechariah. Canticle is just a song or it's a prayer, and a lot of times they chanted it. I thought about teaching that to you and having you all sing this song together. It's not a song as the, you are familiar with, but like a chanting. But I decided against it. <laughs> I, I pitched it to Daryl, and, you know, it was like, hmm. <laughs> Things that make Daryl go, hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but for now, we'll put that in our back pocket, Steve. Yeah. But there is a response in our hymnal as well of the song of Zechariah. With a line of music that we could chant, that's good old Methodists, but also just simply as a, as a call and response with your worship leader. And I thought it would be really cool to end our teaching time together by simply saying or singing this response of Zechariah together. Because even though it's Zechariah's words here in the story of Luke, the, the history of it used and a sense of communal worship as an opportunity to praise God for God's mighty acts of salvation. What a, a wonderful way, what a great way that we could experience joy together in community. We started by sharing, let's end by praying together. These words of scripture, that is the song of Zechariah. So this is Luke verses 67 through 80. We'll start with verse 68. My words are going to be in white and yours will be in the response in green. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to set the chosen people free. Through the holy prophets, God promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Amen. And let it be so. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for who you are and for the ways that you continue to be at work in our world. As we look back to the first Christmas story and, and for the way that your love and joy and peace broke into our world, God, we recognize and see the ways that we can 
always proclaim these truths and experience this joy still today. Thank you for the gift of community that allows us to take note and become aware and and to celebrate these things together. And thank you above all for for the gift of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who, who we celebrate this time of year, but in whom we also look forward with hope and anticipation and, and assurance and promise for the work that is to come. We pray, God, that you would continue to enter the darkest of places, that we would be your hands and feet that shine lights, and that we would just take note and witness to the way that your peace is coming into the world. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.